Good morning. We welcome all of you worshiping with us in person and online. If you are a visitor with us, we have a gift bag for you. After the service, please pick one up in the narthex as you leave the sanctuary. There are also gift bags in the Mose lobby near the Avenue E entrance. We are glad you are here with us. One special announcement this morning, we have a team going to Poland on March the 17th. There are prayer cards with Bible verses inserted in the bulletins. Please take the card and during worship, sign your name and say a prayer and place them in the offering plates when they are passed. These cards will be taken to Poland and given to refugees so that they will be encouraged by God's promises. The two Bible verses that are printed on these cards are in Ukrainian, so we thank you for doing that. Another particular announcement in the bulletin is a free event, a Christian Parenting Enrichment Seminar on Friday evening and Saturday, March 25th and 26th here at the Church House. Dr. Chap Clark will be the main speaker as well as special guests who make up various expert categories, such as pediatrics, family counseling, and school administration. A complimentary lunch will be served on Saturday, and the seminar is free. Did I say it's free? It's free. All are welcome to attend. Please invite your friends and neighbors. Child care is free as well uh, for all children fifth grade and under. Come join us. You can register online or contact Rosalind Miller for any questions you may have. There are other announcements in the bulletin. Please make time to read them. There is a lot going on in the life of the church. The call to worship this morning is taken from Genesis 12, verses 1 through 3. Let us come before the Lord. Now the Lord said to Abram, Go from your country and your kindred and your father's house to the land that I will show you. I will make of you a great nation, and I will bless you and make your name great, so that you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and him who dishonors you I will curse. And, and in, in you all the families of the earth shall be blessed. Let us pray. Father God, you are glorious in your being and yet still approachable. Your great love and mercy, your tender and compassionate heart toward all you have made shines out of your eyes. We choose to worship you this morning and we are in awe of the privilege. Praise the Lord. I will extol the Lord with all my heart in the counsel of the upright and in the assembly. Great are the works of the Lord. They are pondered by all who delight in them. Glorious and majestic are his deeds, and his righteousness endures forever. In Jesus' name, amen. Please stand if you are able, and let us sing together to the glory of God.
This morning, our call to confession comes from the Heidelberg Catechism, question 58. What do you believe concerning the forgiveness of sins? For the sake of Christ's reconciling work, God will remember my sins no more, nor the sinfulness with which I have to struggle all my life long. But he graciously imparts to me the righteousness of Christ, so that I may never be condemned. Brothers and sisters, we must confess and repent. So in faith and humility, let us confess our sins before God and one another by stating together the prayer of confession as printed in the bulletin, and then afterwards silently confessing our sins. Dear Lord, you have called us to be peacemakers in your world, and yet we find it hard to sow peace. You have called us to love our enemies, but we continue to fight enemies all around us. You have called us to forgive, yet we do not forgive. We do not bear one another's burdens. We confess to you, dear Lord, that we have broken your most basic commandments of love and forgiveness time and time again. We have made excuses for ourselves as well. Give us the power and the desire to be peacemakers. Settle our hearts with the peace of your forgiveness so that we may forgive as well. In Jesus' name we pray. Lord God, hear now our silent prayers of confession. Amen. 1 Timothy 1.15 and 1 Peter 2.24 state, The saying is sure and worthy of full acceptance, that Jesus Christ came into the world to save sinners. He himself bore our sins in his body on the cross, that we might be dead to sin and alive to all that is good. Know that all of our sins are forgiven and be at peace. Friends, believe the good news. In, In Jesus Christ, Christ we, we are forgiven. Please stand, if you are able, as we declare our faith and state what we believe by saying together the Apostles' Creed as printed in the bulletin. I believe in God the Father Almighty, maker of heaven and earth, and in Jesus Christ, his only Son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Ghost, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, dead, and buried. He descended into hell. The third day he rose again from the dead. He ascended into heaven and sitteth on the right hand of God the Father Almighty. From thence he shall come to judge the quick and the dead. I believe in the Holy Ghost, the Holy Catholic Church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen.
seated. And I'll call your attention to the card. If you haven't found it, find it. And hold, hold it in your hand. Take time to, to even write a note on the back of it. Uh, we want these cards to, to be a blessing uh, to Ukrainian refugees. And uh, we're, we're still hoping and praying that, that uh, our team will be able to deliver them personally. Uh, but if they're not able to deliver them personally, then... Uh, they will get delivered uh, and through our, our, our mission partners in Poland. Take time to write a note on the back or write your name or something on the back, uh, but let's take a moment of silent prayer uh, as we pray for Ukrainian refugees in Poland and all over the world and for the situation that, that we are witnessing uh, in Ukraine. So let's have a moment of silent prayer. Heavenly Father, we're thankful that we can participate in the body of Christ, that we can participate with our our mission partners in Poland. And we pray that, that these cards and these thoughts would portray an understanding that there are people on the other side of the world that care, that love, that know God and are praying for them. We ask your blessing on all who will receive these special tokens of, of concern and prayer and comfort. Use them for opportunities to be witnesses to you and opportunities to potentially have conversations. We lift up the situation that is happening in Ukraine. We pray for safety. We pray that you would, you would change the hearts of leaders that need to be changed. We pray that you, through your Holy Spirit, would bring about a peace that only comes from you. We pray that you would continue to protect and, and guide and direct uh, people who are leaving their homes and people who are being displaced. Provide for their needs. Pray that the world would come to their aid. Thank you for the opportunities that we see and opportunities that we have taken to be involved in their lives. We just lift this whole situation to you, trusting, trusting in your sovereignty, trusting that you are in control, and comfort our hearts knowing that nothing happens that you aren't aware of and that you aren't in control of. Father, we thank you for the opportunity we have to fellowship together in this body of Christ that we call First Presbyterian Church. We pray for the needs of of all of us who are the family here. We pray for those who are, who are mourning loved ones. We pray for those who, are, who need your healing touch in their lives. We thank you for the opportunity that we have to come together and to serve you and to serve each other. Go before us as we seek to be a witness in, in this city and and pray that you would give us opportunities to be a witness around the world. 
Guide and direct us each day as we seek to serve you. Open our eyes to the opportunities that you give to be a witness for you and to be your ambassadors. Help us to bring light in the darkness. Help us to be, bring truth amongst the lies. And as we come together here today, help us to live as Jesus taught us to live. Help us to love as Jesus taught us to love. And now in these moments, help us to pray as Jesus taught us to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. continuing worship to present his tithes and our offerings uh, call your attention to the friendship pad that is on uh, usually on the center aisle uh, grab that pass it down the row uh, take the opportunity to fill fill out the information that is there there's opportunity to ask some questions about ministries of the church and then take a moment to to reflect on who you're sitting next to and who you're worshiping with and if there's a, a first-time visitor, be sure to make them welcome. This isn't just something that we stop and do in the middle of the service. This is our reasonable act of worship. And it's a, a blessing uh, to have the opportunity to give. And then as the plate is passed, we'll also ask that you drop this card in it. And uh, we'll see that they get delivered. Ashley ushers to come forward as we receive our morning offering. <clears throat>
Heavenly Father, we're thankful for your faithfulness in our lives as you bless us and you provide for us. And we're thankful for the opportunity that we have to worship together in this offering with your tithes and our offerings. I pray, too, for the special part of this offering that, that is an offering of care and concern through our words and our gesture of, of outreach. Pray that these cards would be received. Pray that they would be an opportunity to have a conversation. Pray that they might bring comfort uh, in a time of distress. And we lift this offering and these cards up to you and pray that your peace that passes all understanding would guard hearts and minds through Jesus Christ our Lord. In his name we pray. Amen.
Hi, I'm Darden Page, and this week we will be returning to the book of Hebrews with a reading from chapter 6, verses 13 through 20. Hear the word of the Lord. For when God made a promise to Abraham, since he had no greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. For people swear by something greater than themselves, and in all their disputes an oath is final for confirmation. So when God desired to show more convincingly to the heirs of the promise the unchangeable character of his purpose, he guaranteed it with an oath, so that by two unchangeable things in which it is impossible for God to lie, we who have fled for refuge might have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor for the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain, where Jesus has gone as a forerunner on our behalf, having become a high priest forever after the order of Melchizedek. The grass withers and the flower fades, but the word of our God endures forever. Would you join me in prayer? O oh God, our Father, your word is a lamp unto our feet and a light unto our path. Amidst the changing words of our generation and the uncertainty of our world, Lord, speak to us of your certainty. Speak to us of your unchangeable character and purpose. Speak to us, O oh Lord, of truth. And by that truth, give us comfort. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be holy and acceptable to you, O Lord, our rock and our redeemer, for it is in the name of your Son, our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ, that we pray. Amen. I want to thank you all for adjusting your schedules and being here a little bit earlier this morning. It's always good to see people uh, a little bit earlier when the time changes. Of course, you probably got word that the rapture is about to happen and only the people in church at this hour will be going. So uh, just wanted to make sure you all knew about that. But also on this early morning, we want to welcome uh, two, two new members of our worship team for our, for our service this morning. I want to welcome Sheila Figueroa, who is an elder of the church. You all know Sheila and have known Sheila for many years as a great Bible teacher and, and leader in this church. And also Darden Page, who is a junior at Alamo Heights High School. She is one of our, uh, one of our great youth here at the church, and she is... Uh, she is just a wonderful addition to our team this morning. So thank you both for leading with us this morning. And it's a pleasure to have uh, Joe and I believe you all have, believe this is a true pleasure to have you with us this morning. I'm going to go ahead and say that I've got a lot on my mind this morning. I did think it was funny that there were a couple people who, who held up that prayer card this morning and, and thought that perhaps that it was just because of the early hour that those words were a little bit blurry and indistinguishable. But no, it's okay. That is actually Ukrainian. And those, those words are Bible verses, and those cards are tokens that we are taking to, uh, to Poland to give to Ukrainian refugees this week. Yes, that's right. We are still going to Poland this week. There's been a lot of uncertainty about that with the outbreak of the war, with a lot of things changing. 
But I'm going to say a little bit more about that in just a second. But I want to say this, that ever since the, ever since the war broke out in Ukraine, just before Ash Wednesday, a little over two weeks ago, the Lord has had me fixed on one particular passage of Scripture. That passage is Psalm 31. And I want to share with you a couple of verses from that psalm. In Psalm 31, the psalmist prays this. He says, Blessed be the Lord, for he has wondrously shown his steadfast love to me when I was in a besieged city. I said in my alarm, I am cut off from your sight, but you heard the voice of my pleas for mercy when I cried to you for help. Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. I've been thinking about that passage a lot. As a matter of fact, in my morning devotionals, I've just been stuck in that passage, not able to move on. And I've been thinking about that passage because I can just imagine some Ukrainian mother huddled in a subway tunnel in Kiev, reading it as her children sleep, or maybe a soldier reading it, waiting for the order to move out, an old man in a bombed-out village reading by flashlight, praying those words, wondering if they're true, hoping beyond hope that God is real, that he really does care, and that he'll keep the promises that he's made in his word. I've thought about those problems, those issues in a global context, but I know just over the last couple of weeks that there have been crises within the families and membership of this congregation, among our friends and family and community. And people have been wondering those same things. Maybe the crisis isn't global. Maybe it's much more personal. But people have been asking, you know, can I really trust God right now? Is he really good for the things that he says he will do? Am I sure? And can I be sure that he cares and that he really keeps his promises? Well, as we think back to our passage for today, I can also imagine some of the first readers of the book of Hebrews gathering together to read this psalm, Psalm 31, and to pray those same prayers. These former Jews were now persecuted Christians, people who had, who had paid a high price for their faith, wondering if they might be arrested or sent to prison or enslaved or worse for their decision to follow Jesus Christ. And they were asking, can we trust him? Is he real? Does he care? Can he make a difference? And do we dare bet our lives on him? And once again, the author of Hebrews is saying to them, yes, you can trust God. In our, and in our passage for today, the author of Hebrews, again, reaches back into the Old Testament, into the history of God's people, this time all the way back to the book of Genesis, to make the case for the faithfulness of God. Now, as we have seen on multiple occasions already, in the book of Hebrews, the line between the Old Testament and the New Testament is pretty blurry. And that's the way it should be. The author of Hebrews wants us to know the story behind the story. He wants us to know the gospel behind the gospel, before the gospel. And in Genesis chapter 22, we read a story about the patriarch Abraham. 
In that story, God put the patriarch Abraham through a terrible test. Genesis 22.1 says that God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham. And Abraham said, here I am. And God said, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. Go and sacrifice your one and only son, the, the son that you love. Now this story is about a very dark moment for Abraham. God put Abraham through a brutal test to prove his obedience and trust. Here's the test. The test was not that Abraham would sacrifice his life for God, but the life of of his beloved son, Isaac, his only son by his aged wife, Sarah, the son for whom he had waited for decades, and the son through whom God had promised to make Abraham's descendants a great nation. And the Lord commanded that Abraham prove his loyalty to God not by sacrificing his own life, but by sacrificing the life of his son with blade and fire. I cannot imagine anything more horrible. Now, there is a lot to be unpacked in that story. And we'll do that another time. And you may know how this story turns out. But no matter what you know about how this story turns out, remember this, Abraham didn't know how this story was going to turn out. The bottom line is that just as Abraham was there, arm-cocked, about to strike his son with the knife, the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham! Do not lay your hand on the boy or do not do anything to him. For now I know that you fear God, seeing you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And the angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you. And I will multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore. And your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies. And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. You see, when Abraham took Isaac to Mount Moriah, he didn't know it was going to happen. But he still trusted God. He trusted God because he believed with everything that was in him that God had made a promise. And he believed with everything that was in him that if God makes a promise, he's going to keep that promise. You see, God did make a promise to Abraham. Not just to make Abraham a great nation, but to make him a great nation 
through his son Isaac. Not just through any son, but through Isaac, the miracle child of his old age. You see, Isaac was not just the fulfillment to a promise. He was to be the channel through which all of God's other promises would be fulfilled. You see, there was no plan B. Abraham had nothing to go by except his faith that the Lord would keep his promises. And so, Abraham trusted God in the most terrible moment of his life. And so the principle behind the story is that our God can be trusted because our God is the God who keeps his promises. When God gives his word, he keeps it, no matter what the circumstances, no matter how crazy the world gets, no matter how upended our lives are, God keeps his promises. In the story, the Lord said, by myself, I have sworn. There is only one person, one power that can make God keep his promises, that can hold God to his word. And that person is God himself. Because there's nothing higher than God, God swears by himself. Since he had no one greater by whom to swear, he swore by himself, saying, Surely I will bless you and multiply you. God does not rely on someone else to vouch for him or to represent him. And every time he makes a promise, he puts his eternal reputation on the line. And so when God makes a promise, he makes it, he guarantees it by the only thing that can never change or fail himself when god makes a promise it is as solid as god himself so stepping back from that analysis of the passage what does this have to do with us how does this apply to us this whole book of hebrews is about trusting god it's about trusting god in difficult times and the point is that like Abraham, we can trust in the certainty of God even when everything else is going sideways. Even when the world falls apart, we can trust in the certainty of God. And I want you to look at verse 18. The author of Hebrews says that the certainty of God and of his promises is based on two unchangeable things. Verse 18. These two unchangeable things are God's unchangeable character and God's unchangeable purpose. In other words, we trust in God because of God's unchangeable character first. What does that mean? It means that we trust in God because God is the only one who can never change and who can never fail. God never changes. The author of Hebrews says that it is impossible for God to lie. 
So we who have fled for refuge might have, have strong encouragement to hold fast to the hope set before us. God doesn't change. Our God is not capricious or fickle or moody. He is never taken by surprise. He doesn't change his mind because something better comes along. And he does not get scared away. You know, thank goodness he's not like us. Moody, fickle, capricious, uncertain. Thank goodness he's not a slave to others' approval or to fashion or to boredom or to hunger. Thank goodness he doesn't listen to polls or care about midterm elections. Our God is the same yesterday, today, and tomorrow. He is he always has been and ever will be. He is all-knowing. He is all-powerful. He is all-good. And he is all-holy. You don't have to worry. He is going to be here today. He's going to be here tomorrow. And he was here yesterday. He's not going anywhere. Remember Jesus' words to the disciples Lo, I am with you even until the end of the age. Remember his words to Joshua. So as I was with Moses, so shall I be with you. I will neither leave you nor forsake you. And just as God was with Abraham, just as he was faithful to Abraham, he will be faithful to us. The word of God has not changed. The Ten Commandments have not changed. The great commandment that you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength and love your neighbors as yourself has not changed. The creation story has not changed. Revelation has not changed. The truth has not changed. And the good news of Jesus Christ has not changed. God is still holy. God is still love. God is still light. God is still good. And the tomb is still empty. And the Holy Spirit is still with us he is still god but we trust god not only because of his unchangeable character but we put our trust in god because of god's unchangeable purpose you see we believe that god not only has a plan for the universe or for the world or for history, we believe that God has a plan for you, that God has a plan for me. You know, just about every week at the end of the service, I tell you that you are not here by accident, that God has a plan and a purpose for your life. And my only guarantee in life and in death is that God has a plan and purpose for my life. My only comfort in life and in death is that I am in the palm of God's hand and nothing will happen to me until his plan and his purpose for me is complete. Thank goodness he's not waiting for me to figure things out. I used to have a screensaver on my computer that said, if you ever want to hear God laugh, tell him your plans for your life. Thank goodness he's not waiting for me to figure things out. 
Neither God's character nor his purpose is going to change. And therefore, he is our certainty in an uncertain world. Because God's character is unchanging, and his purpose for the world, for history, and for us is unchanging, the author of Hebrews writes, we have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. A sure and steadfast anchor of the soul. You know, I'm a boat guy, so I love that he uses the example of an anchor. But the anchor, the idea of an anchor, is one of the most prolific of Christian symbols. So think of a boat anchor. What does an anchor do? Or what is an anchor supposed to do? Well, a, an anchor holds a boat in place. An anchor holds a ship fast in a fluid environment. Maybe it holds a ship in place in a violent environment, like a storm. Think about the images, the waves and the wind when everything around you is crashing and flipping and swirling and twisting and dividing and disappearing. What he means here is that in those kinds of circumstances, those violent circumstances, that we can have our certainty, our confidence, our hope in good times and in bad times in God. Our certainty is anchored in God, not in something else. So sometimes an anchor holds us in a storm. Whether that storm is a global war or a personal tragedy. But there's another understanding of an anchor too. Most of the time when I'm out on the water and I'm using an anchor, I'm using it to keep me from drifting. Think about that for a second. Sometimes if you're in a boat, if you're on a river or a lake, you can be pushed very subtly by a gentle current or an easy breeze. If you've ever fished on a river or at the coast or even on a lake, you know how easy it is to drift away from that place you want to be if you're not anchored down. You might drift downstream. You might be carried out on a subtle current out into the ocean. I mean, you see all the time these, these news stories about Somebody who'll fall asleep on a paddleboard at the beach and find themselves like two or three miles off the coast. And when they wake up, the Coast Guard has to come rescue them or something like that. They've just drifted out there. Nothing violent, beautiful sunshine, just a subtle breeze, a subtle current just pushing them out because they weren't anchored down. And just as a boat can drift out to sea, so can our souls drift away from God. You remember back in chapter 2 of Hebrews, the author warns us, we must pay closer attention to what we've heard lest we drift away from it. You know, most people that I know don't reject God all at once. They don't loudly declare their independence from God or defy God in open rebellion. They just drift away in subtle compromises. Like the Laodicean church, they become lukewarm. They become consumers of Christianity, compromising discipleship for convenience. They take his grace for granted. They don't mature in faith. And they don't take God's word seriously. They just drift away. But God's given us an anchor for the soul, an anchor that holds us in place when the waves threaten to capsize us and to sink us and to hold us firm when we start to drift away from the truth. The anchor of the soul is God's unchangeable character. 
and his unchangeable purpose. And the proof of his unchangeable purpose and his unchangeable character is the life and death and resurrection of his son. How do we know we can trust God? How can we put our faith in those things, in his character and in his purpose? God's given us proof. He sent his own son, not only to be our high priest, but to be the sacrifice for our sins. Romans 5, chapter, uh, Romans 5 verse 8 says, but the proof of God's amazing love is this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. The author of Hebrews puts it this way. We have this as a sure and steadfast anchor of the soul, a hope that enters into the inner place behind the curtain where Jesus has gone as forerunner on our behalf. You see, Jesus is not just our high priest. He is the sacrifice offered in our place. He is the forerunner because he went first. He didn't wait for us to get things right. While we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. And he gave his life for us before we ever deserved it. God has proven his faithfulness. God has proven his steadfastness through his son, Jesus Christ. Now, while I was planning this sermon series on Hebrews way back before Christmas, I had no idea how much I would need this passage today. On Thursday, for the next week, Irina and Aaron Villastrago and I will be depending on the certainty of God. As most of you know, this Thursday, Irina and Aaron and I will be flying to Warsaw, Poland to meet our Polish mission partners. We're going to be hooking up with them and with representatives from one of our long-standing mission partners, the Outreach Foundation. Now, when we planned this trip six months ago, we didn't know what would be happening in Eastern Europe. But you know what? The Lord knew what would be happening. He knew exactly what was going on. Nevertheless, ever since the war broke out, people have been asking me, well, what are you going to do? Are you going to go? And if you go, what are you going to do when you get there? Well, our mission's still the same. We're going to go and we're going to meet our Polish mission partners and encourage them in the work they're doing of leadership development and theological education for leaders and pastors in Poland. We're going to introduce our Polish partners to our friends from the Outreach Foundation to connect them with those resources and, and networks. We're going to meet church planters from Lithuania. We're going to offer mutual encouragement and build relationships with our Eastern European partners. And we're going to give eyewitness reports of the work of those with whom we serve so that we can tell the story of Christ's work in and through our Polish and Ukrainian brothers and sisters. So the core objectives of our mission have not changed, but the context is dramatically different. There are now approximately 2 million refugees in Poland, and that number is rising. No matter when the war ends, this will be a crisis for years. So the mission hasn't changed, but the circumstances have changed. So why are we going now? We're going because we are called to be personally present with our mission partners, with their families, with the students at the Warsaw School of Theology, and with Ukrainian refugee Christians. 
We are called there to explore humanitarian and evangelistic efforts that are already begun by our partners to develop short-term and long-term strategies and leaders for long-term pastoral support. And we're going to see what we can do in terms of humanitarian relief. But even though the need for humanitarian relief is real, so is the need for spiritual report, what, uh, uh, support. Whatever the military and political outcomes, pastors and lay leaders are going to be needed to minister to people in Poland, Ukraine, and every place else where these refugees live. Lots of people are still asking, why do you have to go now? And while the answer is not easy, it is simple. We need to go now because they need to know that when we say that we are with them, those are not just words. We're not just going to stand with them when it's easy. We're going to stand with them when it gets hard because that's what we do. Eastern Europe has been thrust to the center of the world's attention. And while the Lord has the world's attention, this is an opportunity for the church to shine. As their brothers and sisters, as well as their partners in the gospel, we have a unique and open door to steward the blessings of God. Blessings that he has given to us like he's not given to any other church. Think about these connections he established three years ago, knowing exactly what was going to be happening now. The relationships he has fostered. All of these things. What is our job? What is our role? What is our mission? Right now, our mission is to show up in difficult times and in difficult places. So what has changed about our mission? The circumstances and craziness of the world. What has not changed? God's unchangeable character and God's unchangeable purpose. You know, when I'm, I'm thinking about going, I'll tell you this, I do not have any faith in the Russian government, or the Polish government, or the U.S. government, or in NATO, even in our mission partners. My faith, my trust, is in Jesus Christ in his unchangeable character and his unchangeable purpose. So when we go to Poland, we're going because we believe that our hands are in his hand. And thus Abraham, having patiently waited, obtained the promise. When the Bible says that someone is waiting for God, it's an expression of truth and expectation. We're going because I believe that God is real, and I'm expecting God to show up. I'm going because I believe that God is real, and I'm expecting and trusting God to keep his promises. I'm going because God is real, and I'm expecting and trusting God to do amazing things. Again, Psalm 31 says, Be strong and let your heart take courage, all you who wait for the Lord. Do we have the patience of Abraham? Do we have the patience to wait upon God? 
to trust in his unchangeable character and his unchangeable purposes, even when the world's gone crazy. I'm going because I am trusting in the Father who held Abraham in the palm of his hand. I'm trusting in the God who held Jesus in the palm of his hand. And I am trusting in the Father who holds us in the palm of his hand. Will you pray with me? The loving and eternal God, we thank you for your unchangeable character and your unchangeable purpose. We ask, O oh God, that you would help us to take confidence and to find certainty in you, even in uncertain times. We pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. and his character are unchanging and these two unchangeable things are the anchor for our souls. In an uncertain world, we can count on the unchangeable nature of the God who keeps his promises. And what that means for you and me today is that there is no one here who is here by accident. 
You are here because God has a plan and a purpose for your life. He has a position for you on his team, a place for you at his table, and he loves you. He's proven that by his son, Jesus Christ. He's proven his love by his death on the cross and his power to make a difference in your life now and forever through his resurrection from the dead. And so know that God is calling you to be certain of his unchangeable nature. And now knowing this, I ask you to raise your hands to receive this blessing. Now go forth into the world in peace. Have courage. Hold on to what is good. Return to no person evil for evil. Strengthen the faint-hearted. Support the weak. Love and serve the Lord, rejoicing in the power of the Holy Spirit. And may the road rise to meet you. May the wind be always at your backs. May the sun shine full upon your face and the rains fall soft upon your fields. And until we meet again, may God hold you in the palm of his hand. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. And all God's people said, Amen.
friends, thank you for worshiping with us here at First Presbyterian Church. To know more ways of getting involved in and through the life of our church and our various ministries, please continue to check online, as well as follow us on our social media to know all things First Presbyterian Church. We thank you for worshiping with us this morning. Have a great week.